This is The Newsstand, episode 59. We're recording this on Wednesday, May 18th, 2016. I'm Ryan Gallagher. Joining me tonight, I have Ark Devins and Scott Nye. Hey, guys. Good evening. Good evening. So tonight, we are going to be talking about the August 2016 Criterion Collection lineup that Criterion announced uh, just a couple days ago. We also have a few other pieces of news, some follow-up, and... Uh, you know, some some reactions that we've found online to the various uh, films playing at Cannes. We've been talking about the, the Cannes Film Festival uh, over the past few episodes, including the the classics lineup, as well as the, you know, main features that are showing that, you know, may one day end up in the Criterion Collection or, or at least may be kind of, you know, important films that we should all be following along with. But I guess tonight we should probably start off with a little bit of follow-up um, now that I have Arik and Scott on the podcast, uh, and I haven't talked to either of you about it, I'd like to talk a little bit more about Filmstruck, the new upcoming uh, streaming service. I know Arik, you're a huge uh, tech nerd, and so and and on our, <laughs> our on our uh, let's see, I think it was like the blue the Blu-ray upgrade wish list episode. Oh no, it was like the end of the year episode. You were kind of talking about your your wish for Criterion to kind of you know do something more technologically and this is kind of a move hopefully in a more tech uh area for criterion maybe well i guess it'll well it'll all depend on what this ends up looking like um which none of us know yet but um i'd like to just you know get your reaction on this and maybe what what your wish list might look like as far as what filmstruck could be for criterion and for criterion fans more importantly (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you uh, hit the nail on the head when you said we just don't know yet. The the information is is so um, minimal at the moment that it allowed it certainly allows me to to let my imagination run wild, and I'm a hundred percent sure that I will not get uh, everything that I'm that I'm hoping for. Um, so far, they you know they've been pitch perfect with it, but um, yeah, I guess the thing with Hulu for me was it just wasn't a very uh, I mean, it's a, it, you know, it's a great way to watch movies, but a lot of the criterion thing for me is the extended presentation and kind of like the the attention to detail and and the supplements for sure, but also just kind of the packaging. So I'm hoping, uh, I would say my my biggest sort of unlikely wish list is that the user interface for whatever they do for their area um, has their menu structure, right? So like that, my dream world would be that I could go into the filmstruck section for Criterion, load up um, a movie, and have basically have it look like I had just pressed play on my Blu-ray and it had come up. So all the menus and the menu system and all the different uh, the way that you access the special features, even if it doesn't have all the same special features, just that that uh, consistent interface with a giant picture of something, you know, or a movie in the background would be super awesome and would make me feel that sense of. Um, prestige and whatnot that i thought hulu's been kind of missing um uh, other than that i think you said something uh on the uh episode where you talked about it about uh better uh search capabilities and better sort of filtering and i think that would be ideal specifically i wanted to um, put in a big second for your comment on um running time being able to filter by running time uh i i do that on my own now just i have like a a, a like a, I use this app called Things, and I have everything in there in order of of running time, so that it, you know, because a lot of times it's just like, well, I've got some amount of time, but I don't have seven samurai time. You know what I mean? Um, and so I think uh, for me, yeah, the ability to filter down, and then I'm really hoping for uh, uh, the curation aspect 
that there's going to be, you know, I really like the idea of being able to sort of curate, have Criterion curate, and also also ultimately maybe have us curate uh, mini film festivals. Like, oh, here's some movies that that I've chosen that maybe I think go together, and and maybe with like a little explanation of what that is, and you know, things like that. And I know, like I said, a lot of this stuff probably will not happen, or definitely will not happen at first. But I think there's a lot of potential for this to to go in some pretty awesome directions if they um, if they invest in it. Are there any apps or services that have that menu, that dream menu of yours that you that you were talking about? Or is there anyone out there that doing anything like that right now? I don't think so. Uh, I've you know I mean I guess a little bit with the um, if you have anything like Plex or you know um, XBMC or what's it called now Cody. Um, some of that stuff has a little bit more menu-y type stuff, but I'm really like, one of the things I really like about Criterion when they moved from DVDs to Blu-rays or when they moved from the, I guess from the bar to the wacky C actually, they, they standardized everything, right? So the, every back of every package has that same box that shows all the information about that movie and every menu on every disc is the same as opposed to like the early days when every DVD menu was like chaotic. And I just think like having an experience, sort of like an area for each movie with a little more, you know, where all the supplements are are, are uh, in the same area, not just like the Hulu style related thing, but like really, really feel like a designed thing would be another opportunity for their designers to to flex, and they could do some really really cool stuff. It's also true that um, whatever the limitations are of the Blu-ray menu system, and I don't know enough to know what they are, they're not there for the the various platforms they're going to put this app on. So they could do some really cool stuff. Scott, do you have any thoughts on Filmstruck that you wanted to share or any like, you know, hopes and dreams for what the service might bring one day? I mean, most of my hopes and dreams are kind of tied to them getting the catalog up fairly quickly. I don't want to go through the same process of waiting months and months for them to upload all these shows that we know they have and just kind of it was fun when they first launched Hulu to kind of make an event of that, but now that we know kind of what they're holding, it, I feel like that'd be a little frustrating. Uh, the social components that you and uh, Arik have mentioned are very intriguing, and I'd definitely like to see some of that that kind of my criterion stuff integrated into Filmstruck. Uh, but besides that, mostly for me, it's just going to come down to cost, and I hope that it's not uh, too outrageous. I think it's going to be higher than people are saying, to be honest I know. With you. That's what I'm afraid of. Yeah. And I know eventually this whole streaming thing is going to, like, we can't all keep paying eight bucks a month and get everything forever, but, uh, <laughs> you know, this ease us into it a little bit, I guess. Yeah, I, I, it's, I think it's, for that perspective, it's going to be really interesting to see how many films are available uh, in the general film struck if you're not paying the, the premium. Right. Yeah. Are there any studios that have been, like not been mentioned that you would hope sign on to Filmstruck? Is Flickr Alley part of it yet? I think they are. That would be the... Yeah, that's I feel the, like they are. It's the biggest other one for me, I guess. Yeah, I can't remember the whole list. I, I would like to see Cinema Guild in there and uh, Grasshopper, which just launched. Mm-hmm. And both of the companies have really good taste. And Fandor streams all the Cinema Guild stuff. But, you know, if we're going to be consolidating, let's really consolidate, I guess. Yeah, they do have Flickr Alley. I just checked. Yes, yeah, cool. so the, the studios mentioned in that initial press release are Flickr Alley, Icarus, Kino, Milestone, and Zeitgeist. So, some I guess Warner ones. Brothers. Yeah. Like the Warner Archive would be amazing, obviously. I mean, it seems like that's likely given Turner's involvement in this, but it, that it might be hard to hard to say. Didn't they say it would be not focused on old Hollywood stuff as much? Yeah, that's that is something that they've mentioned on, I think, on Twitter before, where they you know they were saying this is going to be focused on like 
genre and uh or wait, like, uh, art house indie foreign and cult films i mean mm, that, right. that seems like that warner brothers must control films that would fall into that category do you think they'll get like code red and vinegar syndrome and stuff like that then yeah i mean those companies do have their own streaming services um i know like vinegar syndrome does and you know who knows if i mean i guess if the, you know if the if there's enough of an audience then they'll have enough power to say well you should just come join our platform and then this might <laughs> yeah. be the one to you know to to rule them all <laughs> maybe arrow us yeah yeah i mean arrow some of the arrow us stuff is available on fandor right now um right, i mean like right now fandor is essentially what filmstruck is kind of shaping up to be um but not enough people subscribe to fandor yeah. Well, I subscribe to Fandor and I love it. Yeah. No, totally. <laughs> I think, I mean, for, for me, like, Fandor has kind of set the bar as far as, like, what a good streaming service can be as far as, like, you know, searching capabilities and having a smart curate, curated area and, you know, the best of the studios and, you know, constantly rotating content and making everything discoverable. I think they just do a really great job that, and they just don't you know, for whatever reason, just don't have enough of a, like a presence. Um, you know, it's, I mean, it's hard to go up against Hulu and Netflix and Amazon, but I think they're, they're doing a pretty good job of it. Yeah. I need to try it out. I should do that before November's a long time away. I should, I should give Fandor a whirl. Yeah. I've been kind of packing in more Hulu stuff of late, just out of, out of slight fear that the film thing will be way too expensive. Oh, I guess one thing uh, that we I hadn't mentioned was that uh, one of the things I don't like about Hulu is that it's often not the transfer, not even like the streaming version of the transfer that's on the disc. Like it's some some of the quality on the stuff on Hulu is very mixed. So I'm hoping that the the <sighs> Filmstruck stuff will be good. Yeah, I asked them about that kind of early on when they were first starting out because they had uploaded some Chaplin stuff that we knew was coming to Blu-ray, and so I was curious if they would upgrade the transfers on Hulu when those came out on Blu-ray and I never got a response and obviously that has turned out to not be the case, but yeah, that'd be nice. If they updated some of that stuff. Yeah. Some of it's unwatchable. All right. Well, let's move on a little bit. There's a couple of other pieces of follow-up. Um, last time when I was talking to Aaron and Mark, we were talking about the, the wacky email newsletter drawing of cat people. And, uh, just a, last week, uh, what is it? Uh, Sinkevich, uh, what's his name? Bill Sinkevich? Sinkevich. Bill Sinkevich, yeah. He posted uh, a drawing on his Facebook page of, or not a drawing, but like a finished piece of art for his cover of Cat People, uh, kind of squashing a lot of the ideas of a potential box set of all of the films included in that Warner Brothers box set that, that Cat People was a part of. Um, so it seems most likely that this will just be a single release unless, you know, unless there's more that he didn't share. I'm going to keep my crazy train alive and say that, you know, maybe that's just a cover art for cat people and it's inserted as part of a box set. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite thing is the people on the forum who, uh, you know, it's very, very obvious what film it is and they just, they don't want, they want to come up with the most, most ridiculous things they can possibly think of. That, that kind of ruined their day when you, when, when it's confirmed like that. Yeah. Um, the drawing though is beautiful and I really good. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, yeah. He's done a few other drawing or, you know, a few other covers for Criterion, including like Godzilla and Robinson Crusoe on Mars. And this one just, I think, is absolutely perfect. He did take it down uh, later that night after he put it up. So I don't know if 
if this and it wasn't also this wasn't announced for august so i don't know if this was you know delayed or if he shouldn't have shared it as early as he did but uh you know it's this isn't this certainly isn't the first time and you know an artist has shared their cover early uh you know just recently greg ruth was sharing sketches of his uh a touch of zen and uh dragon in uh, artwork so you know the, the the artists out there seem like they're able to share this stuff without severe repercussions so i think maybe he just scared himself into into taking it down for a company that prides itself on secrecy in some ways like criterion there's tons of leaks constantly and they never really seem to do anything about it yeah i think we i think we might project uh the the sense of secrecy onto them more more than they actually kind of uh practice it themselves <laughs> yeah i mean i think all these little leaks are it's just good marketing for them you know they don't have to do that much work and we all end up uh, fascinated with it nonetheless so let's talk a little bit about we'll, we'll talk about some of the can stuff maybe later um but let's talk about the august titles so august titles went up on monday uh kind of on schedule for a change i mean although you know it was the 16th of the month it was the first work day back from uh the, the mid-month uh you know regular announcement time so uh essentially on time this month um they announced six titles, uh, several of which we had kind of known were coming or were teased at, uh, and then, you know, a couple of nice surprises. So first up, we're getting McCabe and Mrs. Miller. This is very exciting, given that uh, this film has been kind of unavailable in high definition in a decent transfer for, um, you know, forever. There's no Blu-ray of this. It's available in HD streaming, but, you know, like on iTunes. But I don't think that one has a very good transfer. This is coming August 9th. This is Robert Altman's 1971 film. This has been teased at uh, from Criterion, I think, a few times. They did it in the the Wacky New Year's drawing. And then I think they also kind of confirmed it on one of their current posts about uh, Vilmos Sigmund. Is that, is, that, uh, is that true? Yes, I think so. Okay. Um. So uh, a few things. This is uh, pretty exciting. Have you, are either of you guys fans of this movie? Oh, yeah. It's amazing. I can't wait to see it in HD. I've wanted to see it uh, on film through its many screenings, but I have yet to catch it. So this will have to do until it comes back around. But yeah, it's an incredible movie. I think it's one of Altman's best and really been ill-serviced by the old Warner Brothers snapper case DVD that is really, uh, you know, the film kind of has a purposely hazy look, but I'm sure some of that is just the old transfer um i'm glad they ported over you know the audio commentary and all that but uh really for especially for a f- film photographed by Vilma Zygmunt, you know you really want to see it in the best quality possible and so you get those great western town sets and deep snow and all that, and i'm excited to see all the new details so i'm probably be seeing it for the first time on this yeah, I've never seen this film. I've actually never seen any of the films this month, which is uh, which is somewhat rare. I'm, I mean, I'm I'm definitely on the low end of having seen a lot of these before, but none is is definitely unusual. But I'm f- like ridiculously excited for this film. Um, it's set in the the Northwest where I'm from, and and it stars like all the so many just an incredible lineup of stars and stuff. Plus, I'm a, a big Altman fan, and I've always heard this one was amazing. But as you said, it's been fairly unavailable, so I haven't been able to see it. The I th- you know one other tease that we saw on Twitter was I think Reneo Bourgeois t- uh, tweeted a picture of him being interviewed, which is going to be one of the supplements uh, on the on this release. But he posted a picture on Twitter. 
Deep Space Nine's Rene Aubergenois. Odo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's so good. He is great. Um, what do you guys think of the cover? This has been discussed uh, at length on the Criterion Forum, as usual. Uh, what do you guys think of the title treatment and, and use of text uh, over um, Warren Beatty on this cover? I'm generally okay with it. I, I don't really... I really wish they'd done an illustration instead of a photo, even if it was the same image. And especially for this movie that has so many great poster illustrations, I kind of wish they took a cue from that um, and kind of stylized it a bit more. Um, but I'm generally okay with it. So again, I haven't seen the film, so maybe my opinion will change, but I love this cover. And I know that people are kind of mixed and negative, but I, I just absolutely love it. I don't know what it is exactly. It's it's just very alive. That coat is ridiculous. You know, the the, the colors are amazing. And then, you know, I maybe I would have chosen to have the actors' names a little smaller, but that might be a contractual thing, like with um, Sweet Smell of Success or something like that. But I, I love the inner font on the McCabe and Mrs. Miller and uh, just the general sort of placement of everything i'm i'm a huge fan of this cover yeah i'm looking at some of the other posters right now or dvd old dvd covers and warren Beatty and julie christie's names are rather large on some of those old posters so that must be part of the the, their contract is to have their names kind of above the title uh, as large as the title yeah As, as well it should be they really you know make the movie and Literally, in Warren Beatty's case, he was a producer on it, and like most of his films at the time, he kind of got the ball rolling and selected Altman for it and kind of built the film around him. So he's he definitely deserves as much uh, an auteurist uh, placement on the cover as anyone else. I'm looking at some of these posters, and, and maybe I'm crazy, but I feel like they... They've, they found a modern way to do a similar feeling. Like the, a lot of these posters have a similar kind of um, weird movement to the, to, to the text. And uh, and I I'm glad they didn't kind of go with the very old timey tin type kind of look. I, I I I don't know. I love it. I, like I said, I love this poster or this uh, cover. This is done by John Contino, and I think this might be his first Criterion cover. Um, you can I think he's also done a number of uh, like I think he's like a an artist and based in New York, and he's done um, I think he's done book designs, but uh, or like different packaging and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I like the, the, the use of text on that. There's a number of supplements and, and new features, and, and but then also older Q&As from like 99, um, excerpts from a couple episodes of the Dick Cavett show. and Always uh, like that. Yeah, especially yeah, those th- are great. this one featuring uh, Robert Altman and Pauline Kael. Does Paul, I, you know, off the top of my head, does Pauline Kale show up in any other Criterion supplements? I can't, I, I don't, I don't question. Uh, she definitely shows up as text on some stuff. I don't know if she's, um, like she, you know, she wrote something about Blowout. She wrote something for Lex Tango in Paris, uh, Smiles of a Summer Night, but I don't know if she's been in any of the features. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so yeah, a pretty exciting release coming out the first month of August, uh, you know, we'll see if the Barnes and Noble sale is happening in July. You know, maybe they'll extend it a week and let some people get this one at half off. But that might be too much to hope for. Yeah, the ninth is a little bit of a stretch, unfortunately. I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the following week on August sixteenth, we're getting Stig Bjorkman's Ingrid Bergman in her own words, a documentary that w- premiered last year at the Cannes Film Festival during the Cannes Ca- Can Classics lineup. 
uh, kind of that was that year last year's was kind of dedicated to Ingrid Bergman and you know in, in the poster art and, and whatnot because of her hundredth anniversary of her birth. Um, this premiered there last year, and uh, this is kind of the big surprise of the of the month in that this really wasn't teased at or or kind of rumored even to be coming to Criterion, and. This, along with the immortal story, were funny in that, like, I think the phantom pages for these titles were going up on Sunday night and people were talking about them online, you know, like, um, you know, amongst our friends and then on, on the forum. And everyone seemed convinced that there was no way that this title <laughs> would get a individual release. They're like, well, you know, there's there's phantom pages going up for Ingrid Bergman in her own words, but surely that's got to just be a supplement on something else, right? And <laughs> and here it is, its own release. I thought that was so funny. It is a surprise for sure. I mean, the last time this happened was was when they did Bergman Island, right? Like the for the other Bergman, but like they didn't do it for like Live and and um uh, uh, Ingmar, yeah. Thank you, Living Uh or anything. I mean, they don't. You know, this this is this was definitely a surprise. I'm glad they kind of kept the uh, design in keeping with the Russell E. Bergman set. But yeah, I'm kind of puzzled as to why this got its own release. Uh, here, kind of mixed reports about the film itself. Some people seem to be really into it, um, and some people kind of confirm my suspicion that it's a pretty standard issue documentary. There are a number of supplements, at least on the release, to make it interesting, though, like having these Super 8 home movies shot by Bergman in the 30s, um, deleted scenes from the documentary, and then also extended versions of some scenes, um, but then also other clips and outtakes, and um, I th- there's no, and an interview with the director. I, I definitely agree with uh, what you said in our in our Slack earlier about the description of the film. It's a little wordy. <laughs> it is. Uh, <laughs> But I think, you know, there's a lot, uh, I guess, there's a lot to unpack, but um, I think it, I'm, I'm very excited. I mean, you know, even though it's, it's a wordy description, I think it does make me, it makes me interested to see the movie as well as like, you know, the supplements on it. So I'm excited. Uh, I do like some of the other poster art that were created for the film, maybe a little bit more than the, 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 the way that the text is kind of that, that camera, I don't know how you would describe that, but like, um, kind of projected, pro- yeah, being projected, I guess, in that way, like having it cut off uh, at an angle the way that it is. Um, but you know, I guess it's unique. <laughs> is, this has to be one of the few Criterion releases besides Armageddon that includes a music video, right? What else yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I can't even think of any other music video right? uh, for a Criterion Collection release. It'd have to be like something kind of modern, but it's not going to be like Fish Tank either. So you know, yeah. there's the Beastie Boys video anthology. That's oh, true. that's true. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, not to. <laughs> that's a little pedantic, I know, but it is. No, I always forget that's a, a thing. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I. You know, Ingrid Bergman is a. Uh, is one of my least favorite actresses, um, which I know what? puts me I, puts me in a minority opinion, but I'm very excited to learn more about her and hopefully turn that around. Have you seen the Rosalind Bergman movies? Oh, yeah. Set? Yes, I sure have. I just don't know what to do with you anymore, then. <laughs> I really like Journey to Italy. I'll say that. That's my least favorite. No, I really yeah. don't know what to think. Yeah, and I really hate Stromboli. I really think we're... You oh, know, man. I'm just wrong somehow. You're but blowing I my mind. I don't know how to fix it. <laughs> 
So the following week, on August 23rd, we're getting two different titles. We're getting uh, Spine Number 829, Tony Richardson's A Taste of Honey. This one also teased that on the Wacky New Year's drawing. There was the little uh, thing of honey on the drawing. And so it was just kind of just a matter of time that we were going to get this title. Um, this one, there's no other Tony Richardson uh, films in the collection, right? This is the first. Um, this is the first, yeah. And this is the 1961 film uh, from Richardson. This one has a new 4K restoration, new interviews, uh, an audio interview with um, with the director, you know, uh, an excerpt from this TV interview from 1960. And uh, but this also includes uh, Richardson's first theatrical film, Mama Don't Allow from 1956. So it's kind of buried in these supplements. Oh, yeah, there's another whole film. Uh, although I don't know how long that movie is, but uh, it's always interesting when they include these other features as supplements, kind of, you know, oh, oh, and by the way, there's another movie on here. Yeah, they do always seem to bury them right at the bottom. It's weird. <laughs> uh, I've never seen this movie, but I'm definitely intrigued about it. You know, this kind of kitchen sink UK stuff isn't always my cup of tea, but you never know. And uh, getting a bonus film on there, uh, it looks like it's a short, perhaps, if I'm looking at the right Mama Don't Allow. Yeah, but it still. looks awesome. It looks like a it's a short documentary about a North London jazz club from '55. That sounds great. I love when they do that. Yeah, anytime you can get a bonus film on there, which is why I'm kind of frustrated that they don't include that whole film on the Ingrid Bergman uh, in her own words set. But uh, yeah, so I'm glad they did that here. This is done. The cover art is done by John Gray, uh, another first time Criterion cover artist. Uh, and you know, I think it looks pretty good. A lot of people have kind of compared it to, you know, old children's book covers from the sixties and seventies. And, uh, I think it looks nice. Yeah, totally. Yeah. The light bulb is especially, I really like the light bulb, the way that that's done. So also coming out on August 23rd is one of the films from the, uh, Hiroshi Tashikahara three films, box set which is currently unavailable from criterion they're they're breaking one out woman in the dunes is getting a blu-ray upgrade uh, on august 23rd um this is one of those box sets from criterion that while not technically out of print through them is currently unavailable and you have to you know buy it from another vendor but everyone else seems to be out of stock as well and this, this is one that's going for you know a lot of money right yeah, like 350 bucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, this film is getting an upgrade. The other films in the box set are currently available on Hulu. And so it's it seems clear that Criterion still has the rights to the movies. And maybe it's just a matter of this film was, you know, available to them in HD or they were able to do a, you know, a new high definition transfer of the film to release it on Blu-ray. And maybe the other films uh, required more work. Or they just didn't think that, you know, doing a box set was cost effective. So um, maybe they're just going to be splitting all three of them up into their, you know, into individual releases. Do we actually know if this is a different transfer than the one on the DVD? Because it, it, typically when they just say new high definition and not 2K or 4K, it, it tends to be an older master, right? Uh, that sounds right to me. Yeah, that'd be my guess. Yeah, this is the weirdest one. I have that that DVD box set and I've been waiting forever for them to to upgrade it and this is such a weird release to me i mean it's cool to get it on blu-ray but just i it's i don't understand what they're doing with, with you know i mean with easy rider everyone thought it was because they lost the rights to head and then 
brief encounter happens and everyone's like, okay, well, that film's bigger than that box set. But this one's just like, what what's going on? Yeah, it's hard to say what uh, why they chose this one of the three and why not doing them all or, you know, of the, of the many films that could benefit from a Blu-ray upgrade. Uh, this just, this seems, you know, unexpected. Yeah. Peculiar for sure. Yeah. Um, and there's no new supplements, right? This is just a straight upgrade. Yeah. As far as I know, it's exactly the same. Cool. So, uh, the following week on August 30th, we're getting two films from Orson Welles, Chimes at Midnight and The Immortal Story. Two films that we've been kind of talking about for a while, at least with Chimes at Midnight, ever since the uh, that new print was found and then was touring around through Janus. There was that Blu-ray that was released from Mr. Bongo in the UK last year. And uh, The Immortal Story has been available on Hulu for quite some time now. Um, the Immortal Story, another release that many folks, when the Phantom pages were going up, people thought, well, surely they're not going to give The Immortal Story its own spine number and and release it'll just be a supplement on something else right or this will be a supplement on (laughs) chimes at midnight and and sure enough here it is its own spine number does have an impressive supplements all its own yeah i've kind of run out of ways to make fun of how long this hour-long movie feels uh but it feels unbelievably long and you know i think i said it I think I kept this for the Slack chat, so this will be new for listeners at least. But uh, <laughs> it uh, it's a great value for your money at uh, at forty dollars or whatever. You know, get a fifty percent off sale. Get it for twenty bucks. You get a four hour long film that you only have to spend an hour long watching. Um, it's really <laughs> it's really quite impressive. But I'm I I am intrigued by the release. It has a lot of great supplements. Adrian Martin's commentaries are always awesome. So it might be just enough for me to give it another shot. I mean, the transfer on Hulu is an old 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 sd transfer and it looks terrible so in 4k this could really come alive i i don't know i'm i'm keeping my mind open here it is wells and all i'm excited for the francois reichenbach documentary the guy who made the, what became effort fake you know that that could be pretty cool um i was curious what you think about criterion's claim that chimes at midnight is the crowning achievement of orson welles film career yeah, someone someone pointed out that that could just be a pun that he has like. I think it's a little bit of that that he's wearing, you know, because of the the crown. The you know, crown, yes. Uh, that is a yes. That is a very peculiar phrase. <laughs> like, you, you wouldn't really think of this movie as that, but. Uh, well, a lot of people do. I mean, Orson Welles himself said it was the best movie he ever made, and there are a number of Welles fans who uh, agree with that assessment. And I mean, I think it's an extraordinary movie and just as good as pretty much anything else he made. And it's a film I've seen three times and just barely starting to understand through all the Shakespearean language and kind of the terrible audio recording in which the film's made. But it's a really monumental work, and I'm really excited to have it on my shelf and keep revisiting it. Yeah, this I think will definitely benefit from having subtitles when you watch this movie. Just I think True. Shakespeare in general, when you when you watch it and can you when I mean, you're hearing it, but when you can read along with it. I think you really pick up on the, the the jokes that he throws in there into his writing. Yeah, and Orson Welles does not shy away from Shakespeare's humor. A full like half of this is practically an out and out comedy, and you kind of wonder where it's going to get to and sort of coming together in any sort of importance. But it definitely gets there and has that battle scene that's much uh, heralded. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot to recommend this film on. I'd recommend actually people watch it without the subtitles the first way through because wells is so attuned to kind of the poetry of language to begin with and with shakespeare he really kind of opens that up in exciting ways 
It will be interesting. So they they just say new digital restoration in the disc features uh, for Chimes at Midnight. Um, in the press release that went out, they did mention in describing this this release that this one was also going to be a 4K restoration in addition to the Immortal story. Um, it will also be interesting to see how this Blu-ray compares to uh, the, that Mr. Bongo Blu-ray that was released in the UK. Yeah, that Bongo Blu-ray is pretty widely derided and thought to be pretty terrible. I, I don't have it myself, but I mean, I don't want to hate a company because of their name, but it is called Mr. Bongo, <laughs> releasing like one of the most important films of all time. I, I can't imagine that turned out well, and by every account I can find, it did not. So this is definitely the release of the month for me. Yeah. Yeah. This one includes a new interview with Simon Callow, the actor and uh, biographer. For anyone out there who's interested in reading about Wells, those those books that Simon Callow has been writing um, are fantastic. So he's now just released Volume 3, uh, One Man Band, just came out um, last month, I think. And uh, they're great. That Road to Xanadu is fan- is fascinating. And then... Um, I think I have Hello Americans checked out and then I'm going to definitely read One Man Band soon. Um, but he's he's one of the best writers about Orson Welles. I mean, there are so many books about Orson Welles, but he's are, his are some of the best. Um, and then this one includes a interview with Welles while he was editing the film uh, from an episode of the Merv Griffin show. There's a new interview with Joseph McBride and... Um, a new interview with uh, with Beatrice Wells, who uh, was in the movie, and she has been kind of, you know, uh, I know she was, I forget, like Wellsnet, I think, has interviewed her in the past, and she's been, you know, a great source of information regarding, you know, upcoming releases from Criterion, and or you know, like just the the re-releases of of Wells's films. Um, so yeah, it's a very very great release. I'm glad that they chose, they went with the cover, you know, the poster that they did. F- that Janice had for the tour of the film. Um, I think it looks pretty nice. So a pretty exciting month overall. I think six, six new films or, you know, six uh, new Blu-rays for our shelves. I'd imagine that some folks might be waiting, or, you know, we'll, we'll end up waiting for the November Barnes and Noble sale to pick some of these up. But uh, I know a lot of us are going to be interested to get these as soon as they're released. Especially for the Chronicles episode. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're obligated now to, to buy them, uh, or at least one of them each. <laughs> that's that's what I tell my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so very cool. Uh, I let's see. We should jump into a couple of other pieces of news before we close things out for tonight. Um, the Cannes Film Festival, as we mentioned, is going on right now. Uh, just today, Criterion tweeted about how much they loved seeing the Ugetsu restoration. How beautiful it was. Um, I don't know. Are you guys following along maybe on Twitter or online, uh, you know, the various reviews of, of either the Cannes classic stuff or, or what is screening in, uh, in competition? Uh, I try to a bit, but with the time difference between the West coast in America and France, which is a good nine hours, um, I end up like waking up to all these, these like flurry of reactions to the new Darden brothers movie or whatever. So I lose track a little bit, but, uh, that who gets restoration. I do hope they released on Blu-ray. The master of disc is, very attractive, but that movie is one of those that seems like it could always look a little bit better. You just never know. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty excited about everything that's been showing Cam between the Dardans and Corrieta, and I can't even think of who else. Park Chan-wook has a movie there that's pretty 
the, uh, well thought of. The new, so the Dardenne Brothers film and I think the Olivia Assayas film both were booed. Uh, yes. And, but that's not apparently not a bad sign. Yes, no, definitely not. I mean, some, some of, you know, like, you know, Antichrist was booed and um, I forget what else was. Love on tour if you want to go far back <laughs> enough. Wow. Yeah, I've been following along on just on Twitter just like uh, so many, uh, you know, what we would call Criterion directors have new movies this year, it seems like. Just a, a lot going on. And then that Ugetsu restoration, I'm, I'm really, really, really hoping that that comes soon. Oh, and that Jim Jarmusch film. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Adam. Patterson. Yeah. Did you see he said that he's never seen any of the Star Wars films? <laughs> <laughs> what is that? That sounds about right. Yeah, for him, definitely. <laughs> but the last one was so great. Uh, Only Lovers Left Alive or whatever. I'm super excited yeah yeah i'm really excited to see what he does with adam driver he's one of my favorite actors these days the they i think some of the recent can classic stuff that they've been showing i think tonight or maybe today they were showing um the william friedkin sorcerer and then there was a big thing with uh nicholas winding ruffin doing uh what planet of the vampires and i forget you know I haven't seen a whole, I'm, I've been trying to keep track of the can classics, like, you know, hashtag on Twitter and trying to track along with, you know, any of the criterion related stuff. But like you were saying, Scott, it's sometimes it's hard to keep track of this stuff with such a huge time difference. And not a lot of people, I mean, luckily like, you know, uh, Fandor kinds of, you know, they keep track of the, the can reviews and kind of, you know, collect everything together into posts but um sometimes i think the can classic stuff gets uh forgotten about by people right oh, big time writing about can uh unfortunately i mean it's understandable there's all these huge world premieres um kind of i cannot imagine difficult to convince yourself to go back and see some of these even though they're showing some pretty offbeat stuff in can classics but i'm sure especially those people who are assigned to be there and have to cover it and all their you know editorial decisions agree directed towards uh the premieres is can a thing you can just go to if you want to it's not it's one of the few film festivals that you can't just buy a ticket to okay that's what i thought that's so unfortunate it is. i've thought about it many times and looked into it but yeah no there's a wall there oh. Arik and scott thanks so much for joining me tonight listeners i'll have links in the show notes to where you can find some of the stuff that we talked about tonight and we will be back probably in a couple of weeks when we talk about the uh, UK announcements for August, as well as any other pieces of Criterion news that might pop up over the next couple of weeks. For anyone out there listening, you should definitely be checking out uh, the main podcast feed this week. There's a lot of stuff going up, uh, new episodes of Cinema Gadfly, new episodes of uh, Off the Shelf and Chronicles just came out a couple of days ago. So a lot of stuff to listen to in the podcast feed. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for downloading the show, and we'll see you next time.